Well, hello and welcome back to Flash Knockdown Series 2, Episode Number 10. We're in Manchester, England. It's Mauricio Lara versus Lee Wood 2 and what is a massive weekend of boxing. Here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. Fresh from the win of her career, Chantel Cameron joins us to reflect on last weekend's epic fight with Katie Taylor. Broadcast legend Steve Bunce, he takes on the alias apron challenge. Nigel Travers is in town with Akib Fiers and Jack Catchall to review the best things to happen in boxing last week. Dalton Smith and Sam Maxwell will join us together to preview their upcoming fight on July 1st. And Shannon Ryan is under the spotlight this week ahead of her matchroom debut on June 10th. All coming up on today's show, so don't go anywhere. Well, I've wanted to do this for a long time now, and I'm so happy that I finally have got the legend of broadcasting himself, Mr. Steve Barnes. Don't smile, Steve. Come on, don't be modest. <laughs> oh, I love it when I keep hearing that. You know, I just read that there's a play coming out about a boxer from the 70s, and I just got the, the press release briefing for it, right? And there's this guy called Carlos something or other, right? And he's playing the legendary and iconic broadcaster Steve Bunce in it. No word of a lie, I had to read it twice. That's outrageous. For a start, I could have auditioned for the part because that's a bit of work going that I've obviously missed out on, so that doesn't make me very happy, yeah. as you can imagine. And secondly, iconic. That sounds like no disrespect. To be iconic, you've got to be a good age, didn't you? I don't mind being legendary, but iconic <laughs> implies that you're either dead or you're very old. So I'm a bit annoyed about the iconic part. That's well, a true story, by the way. I didn't invent that. I must say, Steve, you're looking, you're looking very well, and it's great to see you always with a buzz in fight week. As someone who's been around the sport for so many years, Every fight week brings its own challenges, but its own excitement. Um, what do you still love about what you do after all these years? You know, I, I like, and it sounds like a cliche, but I like when we're here and when we're in Guadalajara, when we're in Dublin, massive fights, sellout fights, 20,000, 55,000. But I equally like small shows. I, I, what, what's the buzz? I mean, it's the attraction. I don't like it. Sometimes the boxing's rubbish. Sometimes the undercard's rubbish. Sometimes the uh, so-called small hall boxing. They're dreadful fights sometimes. They, they really are. Sometimes the fan, fans are a letdown. Uh, Sometimes the people you do business with are horrible human beings, but you just keep on going back because you're around good people. You know, sometimes you're around good. Well, I mean, you know, so you and I, you know, you're joking. We talked about doing this for about a year or so now. Uh, I, you know, I, I like being in fight week. Fight fight weeks are great, aren't they? Because you're building towards something. Whether you're getting on a Tuesday, whether you're getting on a Monday, you're getting there the Thursday, the Friday, and then the, even the day of the fight itself, you get that buzz no matter where you are. You could be in Halifax or Las Vegas. It's still a fight week. You mentioned Dublin. I spoke to your ringside and you said, we're nicking a living, aren't we? Really? But we were soaking <laughs> it all. Tell <laughs> it's the truth. You're sitting there. And if, if, if you sit at a fight like that, and you don't take a second to laugh, chuckle to yourself, then you're in the wrong business. I have this routine when I go to Vegas, whatever it is, 80 odd times now, and this is true. I'm not bragging about going to Vegas 80 odd times, but I have this routine. When I get to the airport, there's a little moment I take before I get in a taxi or when I'm first in a taxi, and I literally go, <laughs> I'm back, I've done it again. Because <laughs> you, you do, because if you go in and you go, oh, traffic, oh, it's too hot. Oh, they're giving me that small room again. There's something wrong with you, get another job. I, honestly, I pinch myself every time I show up at a big fight and I get paid. Not, I mean, I'd like to get paid a little bit more, but I don't want that to come across wrong now. I'd like to get paid a load more, but I still love going to a big fight. Did, I, I worked in Tesco before I worked at Matchroom, and I must say, I don't really miss those days. Did you have a, a little similar job before you uh, made it into the big time, Steve? I used to clean, I used to be a window cleaner. And you know what, James, I'm saying this now, I would say it, 
I was a good window cleaner. I was proper world-class window cleaner. I mean, if I'd, have, if I'd have carried on for three or four more years, Suleiman, Maurizio Suleiman would have made me a belt. That's how good I was. <laughs> what was the name of your business? <laughs> I can't even remember. I think I was just, I think I was just Steve Bunce. I don't know. Started off on the estate where I lived because I was unemployed when I was about 17. So I was just knocking on neighbours' doors. And my mum was, basically my mum was my uh, prom promotions woman, a marketing woman. And uh, I got a good living off it. I mean, I got a good, I say I got a good living off it. I mean, I can't tell the tax man, so I don't know if I was ever fully <laughs> legal. But I got a little, I survived. Yeah, I was a great window cleaner. I'm still handy with a squeegee now. Yeah. Trust me, yeah. I can do with my windows being clean, so I'll hold you to that, Steve. Let's just uh, talk about this weekend, because it's a special week for boxing. But I'm, I'm interested to get your opinion on it. Three world title fights, all in different parts of the world. We've got Belfast, obviously Mick Conlon in the featherweight division, also over here with Lee Wood and Lara, they're rematching. Down in Bournemouth down on the coast with a Coley Billum Smith. Is this good for the sport or bad for the sport? Well, funny enough, I've been talking about this on the BBC all week. I think it's, it sounds like a contradiction in terms, I think it's bad for the sport. And there's a massive asterisk attached to that. Of course, it's great that we've got uh, so many British fighters in those fights. Was it four British fighters in those fights? Of course, it's fantastic that we've got three world title fights like that because it wasn't that long ago when we didn't get that many world title fights per year, let alone per Saturday evening. But I think we're splitting the fans. And I know that, you know, Eddie and um, Frank Warren and, and, and Ben Shalom Boxer who are on, on, you know, doing their, their channel Chris Billum Smith fight they'd all sort of make different claims about why it's happening it's a perfect storm of this happening and that happening and th that's fine I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's a disgrace and it's terrible but I prefer it wasn't because we've got, we've got three Saturday next week and I'm sure there's a good reason why we're not going on the third we've got another three Saturday on the 17th and I'm sure there's a good reason why we're not going on the 17th but for, for me you know, I, I, as a fan, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I am a fan, I'm a bit annoyed that they're, they're clashing. Uh, for me, as, as a working man, I don't like it because I'm missing work. Uh, and I want to see these three fights. You know, they're, they're three, and not just that, there's some good undercard fights, and they're good events. You know, who doesn't want to be in Belfast when, when an Irish, a, Belf, a local kid, might win a world title? I mean, that's one of the all time great tick boxes for any boxing fan. Who doesn't want to be in Manchester when Lee Wood survives the 12 rounds and nicks the decision from Maurizio Lara? And who doesn't want to be outdoors in Bournemouth when it will still be virtually sunny at 10 o'clock at night because it's so far south? When in theory, what if Chris Bill and Smith survives? knockdown I'm painting a scenario and wins the fight you've got three incredible nights who wouldn't want to be at one of them and the way I'd base my business James you know is that we you know I'll sit around talking and we'll talk about fights and I say I was at that one I was at that one well I'd have to lie in 10 years time because I couldn't have been at all three of them because they were on the same night although there are people in our business that will be lying and say <laughs> they were at all three of them that's neither here nor there but no so 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 I don't I don't think it's good for the business but at the same time I'm delighted that we've got the fights happening anyway does that answer the question absolutely and it's got it's got the juices flowing for me and I, I know obviously all the main events are going to be at slightly different times so the fans might win they might be able to enjoy all three but we're here in Manchester we just had the press conference for Leewood and Mauricio Lara, but you're not staying here for Saturday, are you? Where are you heading? No, because I'm, I'm going out to Belfast because the way I, I work, it, it, most people think I've, you know, that I play at this game and I'm a multi-millionaire. I'm not. I'm a working man and I'm a freelance. And I, I pledge myself to whichever TV channel or radio station gets the fight first. And uh, the fight in, um, in Belfast is a BT fight. And that was in the book before this fight here the matchroom Lara v Wood which is on Radio 5 Live it was before that so I went I went I always work with the first person to offer me the gig 
I'll do it. I mean, I don't mean like if the manager from the local Tesco calls me up to do a bit of shelf stacking. I'm talking about inside the business. I don't disrespect I, I, Tesco, I, I, Steve. I'm I just not, told you I work there. Really. Nicking, that's what I'm saying. That's why I use it. I'm not nicking your job, Jamie. You know what I'm saying? It's an, it's an outrage, you know? No, no so that's, that's so I'm, I'm going there. And but could I, I would have gone? You know, it's a it's a genuine. It's a, to, in my opinion, it's for me. It's a coin toss on all three. Ooh. If you were holding a gun to my head, I really mean that. Are you into predictions or not really? I sort of have feelings, not necessarily predictions. You know, like I have a feeling that Lee Wood might do it against Lara. I have a really good feeling that um, that Michael Conlon's going to do it against Lopez. And I've just got a feeling that uh, Coley uh, is going to have a much harder fight than anybody imagines. People think it's going to be Lawrence doing safety first, Lawrence Coley. No, I think Billum Smith will make him fight. I think he'll bring out the best in Akoli. So I think the, the my gut feeling about that fight is Akoli wins it, but it's an incredible event. And I don't think anyone thinks that's going to be an incredible fight. It might be a great event playing around in the sea and the sun. But I, I just got, I've got a feeling that, that, that Lee can do it, a feeling that Condon can do it, and a feeling that we'll have to see the very best of Lawrence Akoli for him to do it. So that's about as close to predictions as I get. I'm not a gambler um, or sort of predictions man as such. Well, all those questions, of course, will be answered on Saturday night. We get to the business part of this chat now, Steve, and I briefed you very quickly before we came on. You said you're stitching me up here, and we're not trying to stitch you up. It's all for charity, right? So that's the caveat. I'm being stitched up. <laughs> so this is called the Alias Apron Quiz, right? And we basically say, how many nicknames can you pull from underneath the Alias Apron? It's shocking. It's so bad. It's so bad, isn't it? I've got an Achilles heel. Don't tell anyone. I, I'm rubbish on, on, on nicknames. <laughs> um, I'm dreadful on them. Steve could be bluffing here, Jay. No, no, that's right. We'll, I could we'll be. Yes, we'll I've heard you bad at remembering ringwalk music. Oh, as well. Ringwalk music. <laughs> I, I've, got, I've got a friend of mine, Colin, Colin Murray, who does you know on Five Live. He's, you know, he's a, he's a great character, and, and he used to do Match of the Day too. He knows every single fight. He doesn't know much about boxing, but he knows every single fight. Like you could play him like Virgil, Virgil Hill walking out against Darius Mikulczewski in Berlin, 1993, and he'll go, I know he's walking out to... And he'll name me the music. I mean, I can't even remember the fight, and he can tell you the music. Go, go figure. That's just a true story. Whereas I'm rubbish on music and rubbish on aliases or nicknames. Thanks. I'm probably... Well, do you know what? I'll do all the ringwalk music for Matchroom, and I reckon in a few years I'll be able to give you a mate a run for his money. Oh, we could do that. I oh, know he's the most competitive human being yeah. in the world. He's, 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 he, he, sorry, he presents Countdown now. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, maybe not then. <laughs> no, I'm going I'm to get you. I'm, we're going to have a, we're going to have a ring music uh, face off between Jamie and Colin Murray. Oh, he'd be up for that because if I, I text him when we finished here, say, Carl, met a geezer knows more more ring walks than you. Says you're absolutely rubbish, and you're yeah. Oh, I'm going to sort yeah. that. Out. Bring it on. I'm up for that. Right. So basically, Steve. The top three will get a, a charity donation to, uh, to a charity of their choice. You're going to have 30 seconds. If you want to pass, you can pass, yeah. but you've got to make the most of the seconds, right? So Scott's going to say the nickname, oh, right? You've got to say the fighter. stitched up here. Go on, carry on. <laughs> Are you ready? Right, you, you've commentated, Steve, on some of the biggest fights in world boxing, but you, you look nervous, mate. I am because you know you know what if it comes if it comes out of this I'll get none and and some kid who's four who's just borrowed his mum's laptop for the first time nick, nicked his nicked his mum's Nokia. Are you ready? I could have got all of them. Go on, carry on. Okay, on three, two, one, and go. Chunky. The gal. Correct. Real gone kid. Oh shoot. Uh, Paul Smith. Correct. The ghost with the hammer in his hand. Pass. Motion City Cobra. Pass. The Road Warrior. Mike McCullum. No, Glenn Johnson. Correct. The Siberian Rocky. <laughs> I 
can't do it in this accent. I get in trouble at the BBC. I don't know. Carry on. El Capo. Chantal Cameron. Time. We'll give you Four. that one. I think that is probably in line for a charity payout. Hang on, hang on, hang on. BT on the phone, hang on. <laughs> oh, hang on. Cancel, Steve. Cancel. It's <laughs> outrageous. The Siberian Rocky. Oh, God. Oh, 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 gosh. I did, did him about 10 times on Box Nation as well. Yeah, Russell. the good old days, yeah. I, I, I tell you, I'm impressed now. Four. You did well. To be we'll fair, have, we'll I think that's joint top with Sky Nicholson and Cal, you're fine. Great company, Steve. Joint oh, there. shoot, yeah. <laughs> between them, they've got... Cal's got between them they've got between Cal's world title fights and his European Commonwealth and whatever two Olymp uh, one Olympic flip it I'm in good company with you that are, mob I'll, I'll go with that I'll go with that mob great come hang on BT back on the phone no you're right you've got to jog <laughs> oh, you're, you're in uh, Steve thanks so much for coming on can sit here and talk to you all day I definitely want to do a, uh, a longer version one time get you down oh, to, to Matchroom HQ but enjoy the fights this weekend enjoy Belfast look forward to, to watching that back and, and watching you do your thing as always thanks so much for your time mate. nah my pleasure boys what, I tell you what what a time to be a boxing fan eh? Cameron. Now the dust has settled a little bit, yeah. I'm sure you very much to walk out on, but my first question is, how are you? I'm great, except for being in traffic for four and a half hours. <laughs> Other than that, brilliant. Just talk to us about the emotions after the night in Dublin. You got home, you got back to your family and your friends, uh, what have you been up to? I've been non-stop to be honest, I feel like uh, I've been pulled left, right and centre since I've been home. So. Uh, the drive up to Manchester was, I think it was the first time where I've actually had time to think and let everything be processed properly and I just can't believe what happened Saturday night, it's still surreal and I can't believe I pulled it off. I think uh, as much as I was showing confidence and uh, you, you never would have told what I was thinking on the inside, I still did have doubts and I know everyone was doubting me and everyone was saying like, most people do think Katie Taylor is unbeatable. So the fact that I actually did do the unthinkable and prove so many people wrong, I, I can't believe I actually did it. How many times you watched the fight back? I've only actually watched it once, I've been so busy. <laughs> and watching it back, yeah. obviously you were in there, so you know exactly what it was like, but I'm sure it was a bit of a blur, you've always said that you see black once the bell rings. Yeah. What were some of your emotions when you were watching it back? Um, just I feel like I'd done everything right, everything I said I was going to do. I was on the front foot. Um, and I think if we were to box again, I'd be better as well. I think I remember in the in the fight, I remember just hearing the crowd and thinking, "There's no way I'm going to win this. The crowd's going to have that influence over the judges." So I remember I think got to the sixth, and I feel like my heart was going, thinking, "Whatever I do here, I'm not I'm not going to get this win. I can't beat this crowd." And um, the fact that when my hand was raised, I just was like, "Wow! Thank God it was the right decision." But I think with bots again, I think I definitely would, I definitely would be a better performance for me. I know a lot was made in the aftermath about you maybe moving down to lightweight. Yeah. People were saying, can Chantal Cameron do that? Yeah. In your mind, why is that still a potential option? I think I'd like to do it because I want to, for me now it's about legacy and my own legacy. And I said all week, last week, uh, as much as it was Katie Taylor's homecoming, it's also it was about me and my team kept saying it was about me. And for me now it's about um, me getting other belts and 140, I've defended it now against undisputed world champion at 147, undisputed champion at 135, so 
honest at taking some votes of them now and other other champions putting their votes on the line against me. You went on to Willem, BK In terms of locations, if we do see this rematch, what have you got in mind, Chantal? Well, I've loved the Saints in Northampton, and the CEO, CEO he actually messaged me saying um, about me me having a home show there. So I know that the Saints, Franklin Gardens, are very interested in me coming back to Northampton. But I'd happily, if we be much happy, I'd go back to Dublin. But as long as there was a few things that are different, sort of like me me walking. Seconds, I think I was like standing. I never, I never walked, I never walked first before either. And I felt like I was standing in the ring for about 20 minutes and kind of wish I kept my vibe on now. I was starting to feel a bit cold, so um, just little things like that. I think it was just a bit, I just changed. I think I'd want to be treated like a champion. It's interesting you say that because I think, from my perspective, watching you in the ring, okay, you certainly took a time on that round because you were so I think it was about five or six minutes at least that you were waiting in the ring, possibly yeah. more. You say you, you maybe got a bit cold, but it seemed like you were growing and your energy was, was growing while she was on the ground. Once the bell, first, the first bell rang, you looked like you were really strong and ready to go. Yeah, well, I was just trying to stay on my toes and stay warm, but I've just got such a good poker face. <laughs> You've got a few uh, a few black eyes, a couple of black eyes there, yeah. uh, but I imagine that's the spoils of war and yeah. a couple of challenges you don't really mind boasting at the moment. And I'd have more if it was the same outcome. <laughs> so in terms of... The gym right now. I've been speaking to your gym mates, Aki Fiaz, Jack Catchall, both in action this weekend. So that the energy that your victory has given them, they can't yeah. actually truly describe it. So, how much are you excited to be in the arena as a fan? I can't wait. And um, Jack, his first fight is it like 18 months, and he's always in the gym, he's always working hard, and he's looking unbelievable. Watch because obviously, we've been training alongside each other as well. So, the fact that my, feet, my fight was only a week later, I've been seeing him and that was sharp. He has his spars and everything. So, we've just all been bouncing off each other. And um, Aki, we're just getting stronger and stronger. So I can't wait for to see him put his on, on his performance, especially his after his last performance with his stop for that. And you had a hero's welcome here at Nigel Travis's gym, the Northside Fire Station Boxing Club. I know you're not one for, for people making a lot of fuss about you, but you know this is what it's going to be like, certainly for the next while, and you certainly deserve that. But nice for you to get a great reception from the kids here today. Yeah, and it's great to see the gym's so busy as well. I love amateur gyms where they're busy and thriving, it's uh, good to see. And we talked about, didn't we, last week, about the definition of what true legacy is to some fighters. And you said it's about also inspiring the next generation. We've got young girls in the gym today. All the kids have won tickets and we're going to come and watch the fight as well on, on Saturday yeah. night. Is this, why is this what it's all about for you as well? Definitely, I think it's all about the next generation. I think it's about the, the young ones coming through and the ones that are going to replace the likes of me, the likes of Jack, the likes of all the fighters that are about now. It's, you've got to keep their... The world going and the next gen coming through and bigger and stronger and better, keeping boxing growing. And the belts are back here. I said they'll come back. Well, Scott, it'd be rude to not talk about last weekend before we talk about what we're doing this week because Dublin was one of them events. Everything that went on throughout the build up, the show itself, we were so busy we didn't even get a chance to do a podcast last week, but. One of them events that you're glad you're a part of and you'll probably remember for many years to come. Yeah, we've been talking about it for so long on the pod, haven't we? And similar to MSG in a way, I think all Katie Taylor events are special. That you know, The aura around her and, and what comes with a Katie Taylor event. But yeah, certainly a special night. I mean, ups and downs is one way of describing it. I mean, who would have thought Cully would have got, got mm. stopped? And then the main event obviously had his own drama in itself. And in a way, you know what? I'm kind of happy it kind of played out that way. Imagine if Katie got a a split decision win or a majority decision win. Imagine imagine the, the backlash. Well, we'd have been talking about that. So it's good that we're not talking about yeah, a judge's exactly. decision. Yeah, yeah. And I think, to be honest with you, 
I know not many people will care how I scored it, but I actually gave it pretty wide to Chantel, to be honest. So I think six four seven three. you I could maybe argue. Three, yeah, I didn't think it was that, that much of a difficult fight to score. We've obviously got Chantel on the pod, who's up for, for running it back, should we say. At lightweight as well, to her credit. Yeah, I can see her point. You know, she's she bought Box McCaskill for her belts. She's Box Katie for her belts. She wants to add more belts to her, her mantelpiece. So, yeah, be interesting to see how that unfolds. I know Katie, I, I spoke to her during the week and she was like, you know, this is probably the only night that can really top MSG. Obviously, the, the result didn't go her way, but in terms of the atmosphere, her ring walk seemed like it went on forever, but it was incredible, really. How would you describe it for, for those who weren't lucky enough to be there? Well, even before that, let's take a step back. Doors opened at 5.30. It was Ramo. No joke, must have been a quarter full for the first fight. I think as we went on air at seven o'clock for the main broadcast, it was 7,000 in there. I think someone said, you know, you can see how many have scanned in on their barcodes. It was refreshing, think, wasn't it? Really refreshing. Yeah, yeah, it was good. You know, the, the, the Irish fans always get behind their own. Uh, and it was loud in there. You know, it was quite a... The, the way the arena was is built, similar to Leeds, for, for those that have been there, all the atmosphere comes from one sort of segment, if you like, to the, to the point of the stage. So that, I think that in itself made for a lively atmosphere yeah it was, it was definitely a parts but also at the same time quite emotional as well like you say the ring walk so yeah it was uh it was it was interesting and like you said uh, an eye was there moment yeah it's always special that coliseum isn't it like-esque environment and you mentioned gary cully's name there he's a fighter that i've spoke to since the fight very much got the bit between his teeth to to rewrite the wrong and i think we'll probably see him rematch jose felix at some stage it's interesting isn't it you know does he jump back into that? It's a risk. If he gets if he gets stopped again. I think he wants it. I think he needs I think for him he he feels like he needs to run that back and overturn that script. Yeah, I wouldn't be against him maybe taking one in between. And obviously we've got options on Felix. So, you know, do you put them on the same card, try and build them that way? Oh, it's tough because he can punch. I mean his record is is there for everyone to see, but he was sort of made out he was a bit of a pudding going in when he clearly can punch. So um, look, Gary got clipped, didn't he? I think he, he started I, I missed the second round. He never really recovered, did he? No. Um, I was actually backstage bringing Chantel Cameron's belts out for ringside. And as I was coming through the ramp, I heard one, two, three. I was like, blimey, he's won this quickly. And looked through the curtain and I nearly dropped the belts. I was like, blimey, Gary's on the floor. You know, it was uh, a massive, massive upset. But I guess that's probably why we, uh, we love Gary, but it's also why we love the sport for upsets like that. Definitely. And going back to the atmosphere, when he was on the, on the canvas and getting up, when the count was going on, it was noticeable then how the fans really rallied and got behind him. Yeah. Because it could have been quiet, but to be fair to them, you know, they tried to lift him up, if you like. And Conor McGregor, I know you've met him before out in Boston, I think it was, for a Katie Taylor card. He was there, a big part of fight week, certainly a big ball of energy. And um, yeah, I enjoyed uh, enjoyed my 30 seconds on camera with him anyway. Yeah, that was an experience, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, just an interesting couple of days with him. I mean, we was in, I was down at Black Forge on the... Wednesday fight week and fair play to him he come in it was packed he went around every single table taking photos saying hello to the to the families that were there you know dining um, and I thought that was you know something you might not see on camera yeah no doubt we'll see Connor I'm sure he'll be a big part of the rematch wherever it happens let's also talk Black about Forge by the, what a pub and what a drink as well we had a couple of the stouts after the show didn't we Forge Stout or yeah. Guinness oh Guinness Oh, Connor, sorry, mate, if you're listening. He's definitely not listening. But uh, let's talk about this week as well. We're, we're back in Manchester. Always love coming back to Manchester. Great fight in City. Lee Wood, Mauricio Lara too. When you just mentioned there about jumping straight back into the fire with Gary Cully, Lee Wood's certainly a man who's done that. And I think based on the drama that we've seen unfold this week with Mauricio missing the check weight and being stripped of his belt, but Lee still making £126 of championship weight, he deserves all the credit in the world, doesn't he? Definitely. And I think there is a bit of a difference comparing Wood to Cully. Obviously, it's a world title on the line. If Lee 
didn't opt for the rematch. Where does he go from there? So I guess that's a slight difference. Um, yeah, really risky. I mean, the whole weight element adds another layer, you know, layer to it as well with complication. Does it make Maurizio more vulnerable? Does it make him more powerful? I guess we'll we'll find out come uh, come Saturday about ten o'clock. Ben Davison jumped on the live stream with Chris Lloyd and Darren Barker, and he says it's a disgrace. You've got a lot of people saying, you know, is it safe? You know, yeah. what, what's your thoughts on the whole situation and what should happen next? Yeah, it's interesting. I can sort of see it from a, a couple of different sides. To be fair, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. It is quite a big weight discrepancy, isn't it? You look, it's not a pound or so. I think he weighed in. Four pound heavier, one one two yeah, nine was it? Yeah, so I would like to see some financial penalties in effect and hopefully Lee's compensated that way. And look, let's not take away Lee Wood is aiming to become two time world champion. That is now the, the focal point. Obviously we represent Lara as well and we have to, you know, give him some backing. But in this case, for me, the switch is flicked now. I really want Lee to win. A lot of people will probably uh, echo those thoughts. I'm sure he's gained the respects of, of many boxing fans. And on a, what is a massive week for boxing, obviously just looking at our card, great to have Terry Harper back on. She gets her fight that obviously she lost last week with Cecilia Breakhouse was forced out on fight day. Jack Cattrall makes his matchroom debut against Darafoli, as always has been great value in fight week. Lots of good fights to look forward to on the design broadcast that starts around 7pm. But it's a great night of boxing in the UK, which I mentioned there, two other shows this weekend. The boxing fans are certainly the winners. Michael Condon fights Fernando Lopez, who the fans will remember came over in December and beat Josh Warrington in his backyard to win the IBF World Featherweight title. And Chris Billum Smith, Lawrence Acoli, uh, two good fights um, we're probably going to miss. You never know. You never know. So, what, what are we looking at? We're looking at Condon at nine o'clock. Obviously, yep. we'll catch all fighting. So, yeah, we probably will. So, that's in that. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, yeah, I was just thinking, is there any way of doing it? I don't think there is, to be no. fair. We're going to miss it all and we'll have to follow it on the socials and best of luck to Mick and best of luck to Lawrence and uh, Chris. Absolutely. Let's talk about our schedule, uh, new show announcements, New Orleans, Detroit, and uh, we've got a little tease as well we might be able to throw in. Yeah, I think by the time this goes out, um, we're heading back to Mexico on July the 7th in Monterey. I've always wanted to go there. I can't bloody go. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. It's the, it's one Why of the can't Mex you go? I'm at a gig, would you believe? I've got a, a rare day booked off. Who is it? A saying? festival. It's a festival. Multi-band festival. Okay. 2,000 trees. Shout out in uh, Cheltenham. But Monterey is one of the, the iconic things about it. It's a Mexican World Cup stadium next year. And the football stadium has a massive mountain, like pretty much in the ground. Obviously not in the ground, but <laughs> the ground sort of overlooks it. it. It looks pretty epic. So I've always wanted to go there. And typically, we've only got a show there. So Diego Pacheco headlines and Rocky Hernandez, who we've just signed. A bit of breaking news will be the co-main so big uh, night for both those guys looking to catapult into world title mix great stuff and obviously yeah, Detroit Alicia Bumgarner gets a, a headline fight um, great some good fights on that card actually Montana Love and Richardson Hitchens is is one that's gathered a bit of momentum hasn't it over the last few months yeah yeah that's been going for a long time now to be fair I think even before we uh, we linked up with, with both of them there was a, a clip of them when um, Richardson was uh, uh, Mayweather so you know you, you're talking this, this runs back a couple of years and Alicia's obviously looking to right the wrong of the only career defeat that she's had so far. Uh, matchroom debut for Justice Hooney as well. So I'm looking forward to that against uh, Andrew, can't think of the guy's name. He was out in Saudi. The cruiserweight who's come up, whose name escapes me. But on paper, it's a good fight. Um, yeah, it should be a good night, to be fair. Another new little market to tap into. Never never been to New Orleans. It's been on the bucket list uh, for a while. So We've got uh, Regis Progray, Andy Cruz, professional debut. I Andy think. Cruz, uh, yeah, that's going to be special. We've got a lot to look forward to. And that's uh, all coming up, as always, exclusively on The Zone. Cheers. I'll take my £5 for getting that.
Well, we have a very exciting fight to look forward to on the 1st of July in Sheffield. British and Commonwealth super lightweight titles are on the line. Dalton Smith versus Sam Maxwell. No strangers to each other. They do battle live on the zone. Dalton and Sam are on the line together for the Ink is Dry here on the Flash Knockdown podcast. Dalton, let me come to you first. First of all, welcome. Thanks for your time. This fight with Sam Maxwell is, is one that's been talked about for a while. It was put on the brakes, obviously, after the last fight. But how excited are you now that tunnel vision and uh, not long to go now, mate? Yeah, not long to go. And, um, you know, it's, it's a fight what excites me. Um, you know, I think we wanted this fight about 18 months ago. So it's, um, you know, it's a fight what's always excited me. And, you know, it's just a shame it, it got it got postponed a little bit, obviously, with the cut from the last fight. But, you know, it's, like I said, we're five weeks away now. We haven't we got much longer. So, you know, the weeks are going to go come come fast. And, you know, it's like I say, it's a fight I'm looking forward to. Why is it a fight you're looking forward to, Dalton? Talk to us about Sam Maxwell and why this is the right fight at the right time for you. I just feel like it's a fight what I've always wanted. Um, you know, nothing against Sam. Obviously, the respect's always been there. But, you know, it's a fight what I've always liked. Um, and But obviously... Sam went went a different route. He went um, box for the I, IBO title. So, you know, things things moved on a little bit. But, you know, like I said, we've got the fight now. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great fight. Sam, welcome. Thanks so much for your time and, and thanks for coming on, mate. It's always said in boxing that the true fighters are the ones who can and bounce back from defeat and learn from defeat. As Dalton just said there, you tipped your toes in at world level. You've got to win back under your belt to, to build the confidence. But why was this a fight? with Dalton Smith that you feel was the right time for you? I just feel like this this is the kind of fight I want to be in in, in my career. He's, he's, a, he's a massive name. He's a he's the Zones boy. And um, yeah, it's just an exciting fight. I feel like we're both, we've both come to the fight. It's one for the fans and it's just the kind of fight you want to be in. You had a chance to watch Dalton up close and personal, Sam. Obviously, you had the, the mock face up for the promo, which we all enjoyed the behind the scenes of. And, you had the face-off as well. Um, we were looking to announce that fight before Dalton's injury, but what did you make of, of watching Dalton up close and how did you rate him as a fighter? He's obviously a great fighter. Some, um, being ringside for the Casey Benjamin is a close, closer fight than I thought it was going to be. I thought Dalton would win a bit easier, but um, he, he wasn't feeling too well. He was saying so, but I still got to see a lot a lot about him where I think I can capitalise on um, You know, with my performance. So it was, it was good to see up and close and, uh, then again, with the Allenton fight again, I thought Dalton was going to maybe underestimate Allenton a little bit. And I thought it'd be a bit easier win than it was. But it was, it was, it was good to be ringside. You get, a, you get a different view of it than on the TV. You get, you get a really good feel of it. You said there, Sam, that there's things in Dalton's game you feel you can use your natural advantages to capitalise on without giving away the game plan, obviously. In what ways do you believe this is the toughest fight of Dalton's career so far? I just feel like, I, yeah, I'm probably the best pedigree fighter he's fought uh, I feel like there's a, uh, there's a lot of things um, I do do better than Dalton um, he's a great fighter but I don't think he's he's better than me in in any department I think all departments I think I, I edge it and uh, it's just up to me showing that on fight night now Dalton does Sam Maxwell do anything better than you what's your opinion on that mate uh, obviously we've both got his opinions but you know like I said skill wise um, you know I think I'm levels above um, you know I can I can adapt a lot more um, you know, I feel with Sam, he's just he's pretty one-dimensional, and you know, I've, in the, in the fights, what I've seen, um, you know, that's I've proved myself right through seeing that. But but like I say, Sam's a good fighter. 
I just feel like I'm I'm able to adapt and I've just got a lot more to my game than than what Sam can change. Don, when you when you look at your last two performances, I think considering how blistering a start you've made to your professional career, there's been a few people questioning the last couple of performances, and I think you'd probably agree with that yourself. Um, do you enjoy that? Do you like the fact that people are maybe having their opinions on you now? Yeah, you know, it's good. And, you know, I've gone all the way through my professional career with, you know, everything's like, it's hype, it's hype, it's hype. And, you know, the the main thing for me was I always wanted to get the rounds in. Um, you know, so my last two fights, I've been able to do that. Um, you know, probably underestimated my last opponent a little bit. Um, but like I said, you know, when it, this is a fight, what excites me? Um you know, so some fighters. You know, we need that. We need that. We need that fight. What you know, sparks us. And and like I say, I've got the fight. What I need now. And you know, I just feel like I'm. I'm. I'm going to show what Dalton Smith really is about. Sam, you got the fire in your belly for this fight. It seems just from the right smile in your face, that's certainly the case. And I guess you're ready to show that you're not a one-dimensional fighter as Dalton has labelled you as it. Definitely, I think um, judging on some of my past performances, that I have come across like that. Um, yeah, so it's a good observation, but I'm back at a place where I love now and I'm loving boxing and um, I feel like I'm getting better. As I'm getting older, I'm getting better and um, especially with my new coach now, Eddie, I'm just flying and I can't wait to show it. Like It's, it's all right saying it and talking about it, but uh, everything's just going well. I've got five weeks to go. I'm already flying and calm, sparring really well and um, I'm just excited to get in there now. It's, it's, it's a massive, it's my biggest fight in my career um, and I just, yeah, just want to get in there and enjoy the moment. Got a big fight on the zone. Sheffield, it, 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 can't wait for it. Can't wait for it. We'll speak it into existence. Firstly, for you, Sam, when you beat Dalton Smith, what does that mean for for the career and life of Sam Maxwell? Where do you go from there? It puts me back at the top. I, I beat the, I beat the man like um, Dalton's. People are talking about him moving on to beat me, moving on to world level, um, dominating, having the big fights. But that puts me back there. That I, I'm I'm the man there again. Then and. Um, yeah, that's it. That that's a massive um, goal for me to get. It's 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 a realistic goal I'm going for, and I get Dal- beat Dalton, and I, I'm there. I'm there, back in the massive fights, challenging for world titles, um, and that's the plan. For you, Dalton, just based on what we just said there about the last couple of performances, why do you believe it's important to make a statement and tell us how you believe that you're going to win this fight against Sam? Um, just no disrespect to Sam, I just feel like I'm going to look a million dollars in this fight and um, especially our being in camp but you know a big performance here look destructive and then you know that's what I need to move on to the next you know the next level get these big fights um, you know just I've just got to look good and you know I really do believe it, um, it's going to happen in this fight Sam heading into the Lions then in Sheffield away territory does that change how you feel you need to win this fight are you targeting a statement yourself do you feel you need to win this fight inside the distance no, no, I don't feel like I need to, but I'd, I'd love to. Obviously, I'd, um, um, everyone would always love to get a knockout, but no, no, it's not going to change nothing. Um, I'm excited for the the atmosphere. I, I know um, it's going to it's going to be it's going to be a mega. Um, the the great fans in Sheffield. So I'm just going to soak up the moment, um, try and enjoy every second of it, and I feel like it's going to bring the best out of me. Like if I can get that crowd in there roaring when I go in, and then quiet once the fight starts because I'm doing so well. That's the plan. For you, Dalton, what's Sam's best chance against you, Dalton Smith? Can, can he not outbox you? Can he not hurt you? How do you see it? No, he definitely can't outbox me. Um, you know, and I think, 
you know, his most famous fight is, you know, the one with the with the one punch knockout in the last round. You know, you could see that Sam struggles with movement angles. Um, but you know, fair play to him, pull it out when he needed to. But sometimes you need more than one shot. Um, but like I say, it's just I wanted this fight eighteen months ago. Um, you know, so eighteen months on, I'm I'm a much better fighter. And like I say, it's just this is a fight where I feel like Dalton Smith's gonna, you know. I can't say reborn again because I ain't really put a foot wrong in my career. But, you know, this is a fight for me where, you know, people are going to say, wow, you know, he's this kid special. Sam, let's just come to you last couple now. We don't want to say that you're one-dimensional. You can't outbox him. <laughs> just tell Dalton Smith and, and tell the boxing fans how you beat Jamie, him. J- Jamie's trying to stir pot now, <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> you boys are doing it for me, to be fair. You're doing a good job. I, I, I feel like he's right. 18 months ago, I feel like Dalton would have a better chance against me. I was... I wasn't enjoying boxing. I, I wasn't, yeah, my tactics and my, the way I was boxing is not how I like boxing. But now this this version of me and even the, the cut in against Ellington and pushing it back more, spent more time with Eddie now. I feel like it, it, it was a blessing. It's a blessing in disguise. Um, I, I think it couldn't have gone, it couldn't have gone any better. This, this version of me would beat the 18 month ago version of me. So, you know, I'm excited and I feel like uh, I'm, I can beat anyone. That's how, at the moment, five weeks ago is training still, four weeks, hard week. Hard training. I feel like I can beat anyone now. So another four weeks, I'm going to be, I'm going to be firing all cylinders, and uh, yeah, can't wait to get in there. And when we visualise it, Sam, when when you visualise victory, all you see is is yourself in the ring with them two belts on your shoulders. Just just talk us through it. Yeah, visualize. I visualize it. The, my coach is visualizing it. Um, everyone has their opinions. Like I can visualize standing over Dolan, knockout win, um, and getting my hand raised with them belts, and uh yeah, just back on the top of top dog, uh, back at the the main man, and that's what I'm visualising. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going to bring into into reality. Dalton Smith, we'll leave the final words to you, Sam. Visualising himself standing over you after <laughs> winning the fight inside the distance with the belts on his shoulder. I know you want to add that Commonwealth belt to your collection, Dalton. What do you see in your mind when you when you visualise victory yourself? Um, like you said, words are words, aren't they? And you know, we all do his own his own preparation to get us in the best shape possible, and you know. Fighters, we've got his own little routines, what we do, and that's part of Sam's. Um, you know, I think his coach um, visualising ain't going to do much. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but like I say, it's, um, it's going to be a great fight. Um, you know, we both visualise his own outcomes, but, you know, it's who, it's who turns up on the night. Yeah, and man. that's it, it's who turns up on the night. And, you know, once once that final bell's gone, you know, may the best man win, but it's going it's to be a great fight. We're looking forward to this, boys. Thanks so much for your time. I just wondered, do you have a final message of good luck for each other until we meet up in fight week? Yeah, man. Good luck. No, Best going up camp as well. See you soon. Of course. Of course. Same to you, Sam. No injuries and see yeah. you in five weeks. See you in five weeks, lads. Great stuff, boys. Dalton Smith versus Sam Maxwell. British and Commonwealth £140 titles. You don't want to miss this one live on the zone from Sheffield. Thanks a lot, boys. We look forward to it. Well, it's brilliant to welcome to the show recent matchroom recruit. She's going to be boxing live on the zone, of course, on June 10th, Wembley Arena in London. Shannon Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you, first of all? Thanks for having me. And I'm good. How are you guys? Very good. Very good. Looking forward to, to seeing you in action, of course, on, on the Sonny Edwards bill. All looking forward to that. Just uh, first of all, just talk to us about how the link up with Eddie came about and why it was a move at this stage of your career, four fights in. That really excited you? Yeah, so I had my four fights on Sky Sports with Boxer. 
and it was a fight by fight kind of deal that we had um and then yeah then the news come out that Eddie was looking to sign me so I grabbed the opportunity with both hands because I just believe Matchroom is one of the best and being on the platform of the zone now that being on TV as well um I think is phenomenal and it being a global platform I in my career at some point I definitely would like to fight in the states it's one of my goals I would like to tick off and I think the platform that I'm on now will allow me to be able to do that. It was one of the attractions as well Shannon when you look at what Eddie to his credit has been able to to do with women's boxing the way he's taking it forward with the likes of Katie Taylor and well of course we saw last weekend I'm sure you're watching that but did that factor in your, to your decision as well that you felt this was the place to be? Yeah female boxing now is um, it's on such a high and to be involved with it right now is is amazing um you know you've got Katie Taylor and the Chantel fight that just happened and there's so many female fights that are on such a high magnitude that I in time to come would love to be involved in as well um so that definitely did help as well like the stable on Matchroom is is so high and um yeah I'm looking to to be one of them one of them females well, no doubt you're going to be involved in some massive fights, especially with the people you've got in your corner, 258 Management, Anthony Joshua. Just talk to us about, about AJ and his relationship with, with you from a managerial perspective as well. How did that come about? Yeah, so that come about, I started boxing as an amateur in August 2018. Um, I started at Finchley ABC. Um, I'm also from Watford and AJ's from Watford. Um, so we know he knows my family as well. Um, but that was more so from 258 just seeing me at the gym, seeing what I'd done as an amateur. I won a major in 2019, which was the Women's Winter Box Cup. Um, sadly, COVID happened in uh, March 2020 when we was going to go on and do the elites. Um, we was going to stay amateur with AJ and 258 backing me as an amateur. But then the lockdowns kept getting extended. So we made a smart decision to work on the pro game for a year. And then when I was ready to turn over, um, they were still backing me. And yeah, we're, we're going strong. What's he like as a manager, Shannon? What can you tell us? Obviously, we know him as the fighter and the man he is, but what can you tell us of what AJ's like behind the scenes? Yeah, no, he's very good. He's he's always there if you need to, you know, contact him, ask for any advice, any questions, you know, any concerns. Um, but it's 258 who actually manage. Um, AJ has involvement, but if I, I have my point of contact, if I need to sort anything else out. Well, let's talk about AJ you. Oh, go on, sorry. <laughs> what was that about no, AJ at the end? No, I'm just saying AJ is great. He does, he does good work. <laughs> I'm sure you'll love hearing that. Um, let's talk about you, first of all, just in terms of your journey so far. Like you say, you're boxing over on Sky Sports. But in terms of what you've been able to showcase so far, I think you'd probably look at this next coming fight as a step up for you in on paper. Uh, what what makes you happy, Shannon, with what, you, what we've seen of you so far and what you've been able to show? Yeah, I think, again, the the amount of amateur fights that I had was only 10. Um and the amount of time I've been boxing as well is five years come this August. So I think I've shown tremendous um, work within that amount of time. Like my consistency and hard work to the sport is second to none. Um, I think the public, when I first started, were kind of shocked at who is this girl coming in and, you know, she doesn't have a big amateur background. But I'm trying to, like, prove that you don't need that tremendous amateur background to kind of do well at the sport of course it helps and it's amazing um to have those accolades and I wish I could have if my journey was a little bit different but it's not so I'm having to work twice as hard to get to where I want to be and in terms of a weight division I know you've been campaigning at super flyweight I believe and when you look at 
across the weight divisions, maybe just one up from you up at Bantamweight. We've got some big names there. Where do you see the big fights lining up for you, Shannon? Do you see maybe a move to Bantamweight or do you see super flyweight where you feel comfortable at the minute? Yeah, so super fly for me is technically my one up weight. Um, we've just started at this weight because it's uh, I feel strong, I feel fit. So before we go up, we will come down to flyweight. Um, and then potentially again, we can go down um, because my weight right now is just super easy to to make. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely look at going down before we move up. Someone who I was actually talking to in Dublin last week is, is someone I'm sure you're probably familiar with, also at a very early stage of her professional journey, Maisie Rose Courtney. And I, I was talking to her about who she feels she'll be mixing it with for a world title in, in a couple of years' time or the years to come. Is that a fight you believe is is going to happen down the line at some stage with, with the two of you under the same promotional umbrella? Oh, yeah, I think that would be a, a fantastic fight. You know, Maisie is um, off to a great start, such a talent, um, and she works hard as well. I know her, again, from when I was an amateur, um, knew of Maisie, and definitely I think now there is so many UK domestic fights that can happen and, you know, Maisie being one of them. Maisie was a, was a very good amateur. She, she had a good... She has great amateur pedigree, basically, coming into the professional game. For you, though, Shannon, Maisie wants to be matched really toughly at this early stage of her career. What's your mindset in terms of how quickly you want to move forward at this stage? Um, yeah, of course, I want to step up every time. Um, but for me, I'm in no rush. I'm 26 years old um, and I'm just moving with what the team and I kind of feel is right for me. Um but yeah, definitely, we don't want to go backwards. We want those, those step-ups every time. And this next one definitely is a step-up. Um, five wins, one loss, one draw. Um, so compared to my others, this is definitely a step-up. When you talk about journeys in, in boxing, I always love little stories like this because I know you're now sponsored by O2, I believe, and you're also a former employee of theirs. What can you tell us about that and how that's gone full circle, Shannon? Yeah, so um, I was a Christmas temp and worked my way up to an assistant manager. Um and that was a that was a great job in terms of the support that they gave me as well when I used to kickbox. Um, yeah, so when I knew I wanted to, you know, box full time, I kind of reached out to them and kind of got a push back. Um, I did get a no, and then I just worked hard to try and get that. And now we're partnered together, and that's been going well ever since. And you boxed at the O2 Arena as well. I guess Sorry. my been a moment yeah. for you. Um, yeah, I boxed at the O2 on the all-female card, the Christian Shields and Savannah Marshall. Funny how things come in uh, a full circle there. Shannon, I had one question. I saw on your Instagram in recent days, you uh, went back to your old stomping ground at school, actually, and, and done a speech in front of the students and stuff. Just talk to us about that and how important Oh, yes, yeah, so I went back. Oh, very important. My my school, um, again, they supported me through my kickboxing days that I had. Um, and, yeah, I went back. I saw the school. I saw some teachers that used to teach me as well when, I taught a 45 minute class for the year nine girls. And what was so nice about that was seeing them so within their shell. And then as I got talking to them and they, they then warmed to me and that was nice to see. Um, and it just was nice to know that none of them had boxed, none of them had done any combat sports, but to see them throw their hands and kind of be in a state of flow. Um, they were smiling at the end. And then when we did the questions and answers, no one had any questions. And then I kind of prompted them to ask and, the questions were were non-stop. Shannon, just before I do let you go here, because we are on a, our, our time limit, unfortunately, it's, it's betraying us, but I want to get one word predictions from you for three massive fights that we have this weekend coming up. My first one is, are you ready? Yeah. Chris Billum-Smith versus Lawrence O'Coley. Who wins? Lawrence O'Coley. 
Mick Conlon versus Bernardo Lopez over in Belfast. Who wins that one? Mick Conlon. And Lee Wood, Mauricio Lara, the rematch. You're back in the Brit. Who wins? Lee Wood. Great stuff. And just finally, <laughs> uh, back out June 10th, what can fans expect to see from you, Shannon, this step up? Yeah, you'll be able to see an explosive performance, um, a nice solid jab, great footwork and, um, yeah, fantastic IQ. Uh, we look forward to catching up with you, of course, in Fight Week and many more big nights to come. Brilliant. Thank you, guys. Well, it's a pleasure to catch up with Mr. Nigel Travis, who's been a very busy man of late. Nigel, I imagine still very much riding the highs of last weekend. How difficult is it to reset yourself for, for another big week for you here in Manchester with two fighters, Zaki Fiaz and Jack Cattrall? Well, I mean, it's, it's what dreams are made of, you know, in all honesty. Uh, you know, we, we're, we've lived, lived a week of absolute chaos uh, regarding uh, Chantal Cameron and Katie Taylor, uh, and the event was of such magnitude that, that you, you can't help but be impressed uh, with with the whole the whole the whole occasion. Uh, and then it isn't any lower to come to Manchester. Obviously, it's our hometown. We're we're here now. We're, you know, it's we haven't got a, on planes and being hotels, so it isn't difficult. And and if you can't um, if you can't get excited about events like you know, Saturday night or last, last Saturday night in Dublin, then you're definitely in the wrong sport. When you think about last weekend, Nigel, you take yourself back to the uh, the atmosphere. In what ways was that the proudest moment of your boxing journey so far? Yeah, the, the result, obviously, you know, <laughs> that's what it's all about. We are in the results business, but how she held herself, how she conducted herself, you know, the, uh, the, how the event, you know, the Irish were... were, were, were great with us you know they, they were all they all back their girl obviously uh, as we back our girl but they were all very very nice up at the event saying listen we know that we know where the winner's going to be what, what we wish you all the best and and we said the same but obviously and, and we had we had different outcomes and and fortunately fortunately for us then we had the positive outcome but um you know we are as i said before we are defined by our results and really if we're if we're defined by Chantal Cameron, you know, beating an all-time great in Katie Taylor, then then that's not a bad, you know, judgment to have. But uh, it was magnificent. The atmosphere. Uh, I, I've been in this in this sport a long time. You know, my my, my father bore me into this sport. You know, I, I was born into a fighting family as such, and uh, and, and my dad was a boxer, and um, I've been in it. Probably my whole life, and, and I can honestly say I've never ever experienced uh, anything like that. Being stood in the ring, it was quite difficult because we had a job to do, and we were trying trying to keep ourselves out of the moment. Both Jamie and myself, you know, by talking to Chantel, because obviously ninety nine percent of the of the crowd uh, in that arena wanted Katie Taylor to win, and they were all for her. But from the very start of it, we've all been saying to her, this is all about you. This is all about you. We kept saying it. And even in the, uh, when it was, they were waiting for Katie Taylor's ring walk, and, um, we were talking to her saying, it's all about you, kid. And Jamie kept saying, no problem. Oh, it is, you know, it's no problem at all. So, but it was difficult to do it because the noise was, I, I've got one of them watches that tells you when it's too loud. And it was telling me basically, it's, it's loud from start to finish. <laughs> it was an alarm going off all the time, which is pretty funny. But yeah, it was phenomenal, uh, and and I'm just massively 
massively thankful to be part of it and immensely proud Chantal Cameron and how she, how she handled herself and obviously the result uh, just tips it off and puts the cherry on the top of the cake. We saw Chantel yesterday, of course, last night down at the, the Moss Side Fire Station Boxing Club, which obviously you play a massive role in with your dad as well. She was spoiling the, uh, sorry, sporting the spoils of war, shall we say, with, with their two black eyes, but great to see her in such good spirits. For you though, Nigel, You've talked about your role as a fireman, nearly 30 years service now. But in what ways would you compare the influence you have on young kids' lives and perhaps saving lives in that right in comparison to, to really saving lives and in, in your service as a fireman? I don't want it to become a cliche from one is Shay, no, because um, I've said it a few times and, it, and it's not a throwaway comment, but um, it can end up becoming so just like a scratch record. And But I'm very proud say uh, the fact that I've been a firefighter uh, as you say for nearly 30 years and, and, I'm, and I'm immensely proud of the job that I do and, and I love it I've enjoyed every moment of it uh, being you know all my, in all my time served but I can honestly say because I see it you know it's tangible when you when you see when you pull somebody out of the, of the house fire and you, and you and you and you save them and or a car crash or things like that you can see it you don't actually see all the time the results of what you're doing. But I can safely say that I've certainly saved more lives within a boxing club than I probably ever have done uh, carrying out of a building because um, giving these kids an opportunity to, to, to change their direction or you know, just even giving them the boundaries or the manners to, to say thank you and, and goodbye and hello and because confidence, you know, uh, some kids come in there sucking the teeth, saying, you know, thinking that they're acting tough or acting gangster. But when you when you scratch the surface and you and you get into their their, their hearts, their minds, they're just kids. And if you can influence them positively, then I think that we've all got a, an absolute right to do that, and we should all be doing it. And don't get me wrong, the, the clubs like mine, up and down the country, you know, in throughout the world, are saving people on a regular basis. And I'm grateful that the people who come in my gym you know allow me to be part of their lives they entrust me to to lead them in the direction that maybe they haven't been been taught in their life because maybe there's no positive role model at home in the house uh, and sometimes you replace whatever there is in the house and you become sort of a mentor now I never even knew what mentor meant until I met somebody like Mickey Carney, who was who was a person who influenced me from uh, the Fish Royal Lodge in London, and and I didn't come from a, a terrible background or a terrible upbringing, but he just led me and made me a better person. And I I hope you know God willing that, that I can you know um, do exactly the same as he did for me and and other kids. And because these kids just need a chance, and I believe that if you give them a chance, that that you can be very surprised. And, and certainly I've been surprised on mass for 15 years and counting and, and I intend to, to carry it on while I've got air in my lungs. Well, you are some man, Nigel, and I think I've said before, you deserve all the credit and all the success in the world. I think you're actually quite modest, to be honest, but um, it's always a pleasure to, to hear from you and catch up with you. I do just want to ask one question while we've got time about your two charges on the card this weekend here in Manchester. Jack Catchell, great to see him back in the ring and Akib Fiaz in a decent step up as well. In your own right, when you look at both fights, um, what what makes you excited about seeing both guys in the ring this Saturday night? Um, more than anything, Jack um, uh, be, 
because of the time he's spent out of the of the ring, uh, and obviously the last time he was in the ring, it wasn't favourable. Uh, Akib uh, is keeping busy, and and that's you know, all that all props to to match him for keep for keeping him you know involved and, and in big fights, and it's it's a tough tough ask and a fight, as you say, a step up, and and he needs to be on his game. Um, it's you know it's it's home it's a home show for us as such and and we love it. Uh, they'll, they'll have the both you know got big crowds coming out to see them. You know they've got the Oldham lot coming over for Akib Fias and the Shirley lot and Lancashire lot coming down for great stuff. No, I was looking forward very much so to see both guys in the ring. We're just going to throw over to Scott who's with us now. Uh, he's got a, qu- a few questions from the fans. <laughs> New Nigel talking about the best things to happen in boxing last week. I don't think we're short of options, but here's Scott who's going to throw some questions out to you, Nigel. I'll, I'll intro them. Here we go. Yeah, not really questions, more statements this week. And I think, Jamie, you'll go off with a question or two either way. So, numerous people saying the best thing to happen in boxing last week was Chantal Cameron beating Katie Taylor. The underdog prevails. Well, look, uh, one question I do want to ask you, Nigel. Obviously, we have just talked a little bit about what the atmosphere was like, but in terms of the rematch, Chantel seems that she's quite keen to drop down to 135 pounds, down to lightweight. Would you do that? Would you advise that? Do you see that as a sensible option? Absolutely. Absolutely. And listen, let's have it right. Chantal Cameron for our past two fights has been two undisputed champions at their weight. So she's the undisputed one for her. Sorry, and obviously uh, she beat uh, Katie Taylor sorry, at 140. What I mean is she's taken all the risks in everything. So she they've not risked anything. So... No, McCaskill didn't risk anything at all coming down to 140. And Katie Taylor didn't risk anything going up. Uh, Chantal Cameron now deserves the time to, to maybe fight for the uh, all the marbles at, at 135. Next shout is from uh, someone called Joshua Sinton. And he says the best thing to happen in boxing last week was Devin Haney solving the Matrix and beating Lomachenko. Well, everyone's got their opinions, Nigel, on perhaps whether the decision was the correct one. I know a lot of people had Lomachenko winning that fight. Did you watch it? And I guess in the same breath, when we, re- we relate it to your guys, would you welcome Devin Haney into Jack Catch's division as well? Absolutely. It was, regardless of people saying this about Britt. I think, I think it's ridiculous. I don't think that Devin Haney has had the credit he deserves for, for doing what he did uh, and getting the result. Genuinely, I scored it round by round by someone winning each round. And I had it, Lomachenko, by seven rounds to five. But I can honestly say, after six rounds, I had it all square. But I could as easily had it six rounds to Haney or six rounds to Lomachenko. They were that close, the rounds. They were that close. The only thing, the reason all I would say from my point of view is the only thing that's, that's stuck in the throat a little bit was that for me, the 10th round was the easiest round to score. The easiest round to score. And Moretti, the judge, went for Haney. And it was certainly a Lamachenko round. 100% I, be- I believe that was the easiest round to score. And um, Moretti went for him. So I, I think that's you no know, needs to be answered, needs to be, you know, the, the questions need answered. But I scored it round by round. And I gave it 12, uh, sorry, I gave it seven rounds to five over the 12 rounds and I can honestly say that it could have been the other way so I've got no arguments with the decision you know my opinion is my opinion and, and, and there's opinions similar opinions up and down uh, the country and the world but I think you've got to give him a bit of credit Haney but I don't think he saw the Matrix I don't think anyone ever ever saw the Matrix uh, I think he's, 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 a, he's a phenomenal talent
Well, thanks, as always, for listening to Flash Knockdown. Thanks to our guests, Steve Bunce, Nigel Travis, Dalton Smith, Sam Maxwell, Shannon Ryan, and, of course, the undisputed world champion, Chantel Cameron. We are waiting anxiously for a massive night of boxing, a massive weekend of boxing. But, Scott, final message from you. Sometimes I'll give you a little opportunity to, to throw something in here. This better be good. I guess it's a bit of an asterisk. Sorry if there's a bit of background noise this week. We are in the Manchester Fight Week Hotel. Yeah, it's been a bit of a remote pod, so hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you again next week. Uh-huh.